Blog Talk Radio. Uh, with this team. 
Jaden Daly from DailyDoseOfHoops.com joining us on our Bracketology special, the first of many leading up to the tournament. And, Jaden, I'll start with you with St. John's, and then we have to talk about a team that you've had close coverage of and have called their games in the Manhattan Jaspers who were able to get it done in the MAC, winning that conference tournament and now a 16th seed. But first, as somebody who covered St. John's sometimes still covers St. John's today, who is this Obekpa situation? Who is this a reflection on? You know, Obviously, Chris is to blame, but what do you make of this St. John's program entering the tournament? And is Steve Lavin completely secure for the future? I think he is. But what do you make of this? Well, John, I think now you, you really have to question whether or not, especially if they lose to San Diego State, you'll still have to question whether or not they're in the right hands with Steve Lavin, obviously, with the record that he has this season and the job that he's done. I don't think he'd be in immediate danger, but I've I've heard otherwise from a few other different people. So we'll see what happens after that. As far as Obekpa being out, we'll see how it matches up with San Diego State. Someone made the comparison earlier tonight that, that Steve Fisher's team is very reminiscent of the Cincinnati team that St. John's managed to handle very well in the Big East over the years before they moved over to the American. So we'll see what happens with that. It is a handicap, especially given the rebounding ability of the Aztecs. And if Dwayne Poley, who in another storyline is going against the team that he played in the tournament with as a freshman against Gonzaga four years ago, we'll see what happens with that. Jaden Daly, I stay with you. The Kentucky Wildcats are going to get the winner between Manhattan and Hampton, and both these teams will face off in Dayton this week. They will face off on Tuesday night in one of the four play-in games in Dayton, and the winner pretty much gets the kiss of death. Having said all this, how special is it for Steve Massiello and Manhattan to be dancing? And on top of that, we'll stay here with you, who is the biggest opposition of the Kentucky Wildcats in the field of 68? Well, well, I was I was at Manhattan tonight to to watch it all go down. To uh, call their reaction stunned disbelief would be a major understatement, John. But a, a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were announced right away. They were the second team called by Greg Gumbel after Kentucky, whereas last year when they played Louisville, they were more than halfway into the show, so they got to celebrate it a little more. But with that said, Steve Massiello is being very positive about it. He's he realizes that it wasn't in his hands to decide where they ended up. He is going to make. The, he said he's going to make the best of it. He realizes the opportunity of playing in the tournament and how that can't be taken away from him. And as long as he said, as long as I'm pouring the water, you can argue glass half empty, glass half full. But as long as I'm pouring the water, I don't care where we end up. Now for Kentucky, they have a pretty easy regional. I think after that, and as long as and I think their biggest threat is going to be perhaps in the national championship game against whoever comes out on the other side of the bracket. Zach Brosler, I, I would have to agree with that statement. I mean, there's no way in my mind Cincinnati's good defensively, but they've got Octavius Ellis, and beyond that, I'm not sure what their offensive options really are. Purdue has Hammonds, and, and then beyond that. That team's been overly inconsistent. That, that's an appropriate 8-9 for Kentucky to have to face. And then even if they do get somebody tough in the Sweet 16, I mean, 
West Virginia, Buffalo, that's a toss-up game. I've got Buffalo over West Virginia in the 5-12. Maryland, uh, maybe, but no. I, I think Kentucky, I mean, I don't think we've had any more of a guarantee for a Final Four team ever in, in this tournament, at least in quite some time. Yeah, I, I wrote uh, in my bracket breakout the, the, the selection committee basically gave Kentucky a gift with their region. I, I, you know, I don't think that I, I don't even think they're going to get play within 15 of anyone. Um, the, the one game I think could be tricky because of how smart they are. Is I, I'm picking Wichita State to make the Elite Eight. Um, I really don't think Kansas is that good. I don't think Notre Dame is that good. I, I think Wichita State was underseeded again by the committee. Um, I, I have them going to lead eight. I could see them giving Kentucky a game for a while, but I Kentucky will beat them by 15. I, I think it's an absolute cakewalk. I think the, you know, I think there are a few teams that could give them trouble. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, uh, they could face Wisconsin in the Final Four or Arizona. I think those are the two teams that will be in the, uh, the Elite Eight in the, in the West. Uh, you know, and I could see that. I, you know, Wisconsin is a tough matchup for Kentucky, how well they shoot the ball, how strong defensive they are. But I would... It would be an absolute stunner if Kentucky doesn't just cruise, cruise to the Final Four. I mean, their, their region is so is so easy when you compare it to some of the others. It, you know, Maryland's a good team, but Maryland struggles against good front courts. They're obviously facing an NBA front court in Kentucky. I don't like that matchup at all. I agree with you. I, I think West Virginia was overseeded. I don't think West Virginia is that good. I think Buffalo's going to beat them. Um, I, I think Kentucky has I think Wichita State was underseeded. I would, say, I would say Wichita State was underseeded, and as a seven, I think can beat Kansas. I, I'm not overly fond of Kansas and Selden and, and Mason and Alexander. I, I think that they're beatable. And then, you know what, I, I'm, not, I'm still not that fond of Notre Dame. And, Jaden, maybe I should be, but I'm telling you what, I think I, I'm going out on a limb right now, and I'm saying that six-seed Butler will beat Notre Dame. I, I feel it. I think Butler has shown at times what, that they've got it in them on the glass. And Notre Dame can have major issues sometimes if they don't get front court play, if they get too three-point happy. Can Mike Bray get this team to what some people are calling maybe one of the best tournaments that Notre Dame could have in quite some time? I don't think so, John. I actually like Butler to beat them as well. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if Northeastern beat them in the 3 4 team. It's a very favorable matchup. Wow. How about that? Because Notre Dame plays small. They're going to have a hard time with Scott Edgerton inside. Northeastern may be a longer and more athletic lineup. They know how to rebound. They know how to shoot. I think Bill Cohen wow. is in position to potentially pull off an upset in that regional. I agree with you and Zach. I have Buffalo beating West Virginia as well. That's going to that's gonna be a 12-5 worth watching. I, I like Northeastern a lot. Wouldn't surprise me if they beat Notre Dame. I got Butler in the Sweet 16 too. And the touch-up on Kentucky, I think the only team that will play them within 15 is Maryland just because of the talent of Des Wells and Melo Trimble. Yeah, you don't want to miss Bob Huggins as well as Bobby Hurley on Friday afternoon at 210 in Columbus. That's going to be a pretty special scene there in Columbus on Friday afternoon. Let's go down to the West where Wisconsin is the one seed. And the Badgers potentially could have around a 32 matchup. On my bracket, I do have a rematch with Oregon, but I, I don't think that Wisconsin's going to have much of an issue getting to the Sweet 16. I have another 5-12 upset, gentlemen. I love, love what Wofford can bring to the table. I think that Cochran is a dynamic player. 
I think that the Southern Conference champions can get it done over Arkansas. That's my big upset here. I think Tommy Emmerker and Harvard have a tough, tough draw with UNC. I don't think that they're able to get past there. We have a unique situation at the bottom. We'll get to that in a second. But the top four matchups, I think, Wisconsin's there. Oregon-Oklahoma State's a toss-up game, if there ever is a toss-up in the 8-9. But, gentlemen, what do you think? Zach, is there an upset in, in Arkansas? Wofford, what are you feeling there? We might have lost that. Jaden, are you still there? I'm still here. Jaden, I think we may have lost yeah. Zach for a second, but Jaden, I, I kind of like John? the five, the five twelve. Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? Yes, I can. You hear me? Uh huh. That five twelve matchup between Arkansas and Wofford. I've got the Terriers. So do I. I saw them. I in think November that that's an again. interesting one. I do. I saw them in November against Iona. Iona is a common opponent for both of these teams because they played Arkansas later mm-hmm. on in November as well. Now, Carl Cochran really impresses me. I have a, somewhat of a, of a connection to Wofford. I have to shout out my friend Kyle Matrician, who's their, their SID. He used to be, many moons ago, my producer for St. John's Baseball Broadcast, so I'm kind of rooting for Wofford here as well. <laughs> I, I like them over I think Arkansas. we got Zach. I think that's, I think that's a I good think we matchup got Zach for them. Back. Hey, Josh, and I, I think that's an interesting one, too. Yeah, Zach, are you there? Yeah, I would say I, I think you might have seen my bracket breakdown because I, I love Wofford in that game. I, I think the entire SEC after Kentucky <laughs> I is overrated. I, I think they're overrated. I, Arkansas does not play any defense. Uh, I, they're not a patient team. I think it's a great matchup for Wofford. I think Wofford wins that game. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to pick against every SEC team after Kentucky because I think that league is – I don't think the league is very good. I think it was over. I think it was overseeded because of how good Kentucky is. Um, I I really do not. I you know I, I saw Arkansas play a few times. So many Iona. I really really don't think they're made for March. You got to stop people in March. They don't stop stop anybody. I mean, I'll tell you what, Jaden Daly. You you follow North Carolina closely. It's hard for me to look at that and not think about Wofford. They get a run of the Sweet 16 because Carolina can be that team sometime that can blow up. What makes this Carolina team the potential for it different than, than others that we've seen the past couple of years? Sean, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about Carolina getting past Harvard. I, I think that's, that's a game that a lot of people are overlooking, especially if Siani Famers and Steve Mondumisi can get can get going there. Carolina has the tendency to be bipolar and shoot themselves out of games. You saw it against Notre Dame in the ACC championship last night. If they if they can combat that, they're, they'll get by Harvard. I don't. We'll see what happens with Wofford. I have I have Carolina in the Sweet 16 before they get knocked out by Wisconsin, but I would not at all be surprised if they got knocked out of the first week and they're just that much of an enigma. We continue down in the West. Xavier, a six seed. Zach Brasler, why? What, do you think they were overseeded or underseeded, Joe? Overseeded, overseeded. You know, they, they had some very big wins, you know, the Big East tournament. They did get to the title game just because they got routed by Villanova. You know, everyone obviously is high on Villanova as they should be. But they could be a six, they could be a seven. Um, you know, I, I think that's a great draw for Baylor, though. I think Baylor's got an easy road down to the Sweet 16. I don't think Xavier matches. You know what? Xavier's a lot like Baylor. They're just not as good. 
they're not as they're not as good inside. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not as deep. I I think I think Baylor's got to love their draw. I think Baylor's a has a great road to 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 the second weekend. Meanwhile, Jaden Daly, Arizona doesn't get a great draw. So they got to face Texas Southern and then potentially a matchup. Either BC or Ohio State would be tough. I think BC gets it done. I think this is a nightmare for Ohio State to have to deal with in Oregon. Uh, your thoughts on the bottom half of the West? It is, and coming from someone who got to spend the weekend with VCU, watching them win four games in four days to win the Atlantic 10, it's a team that's starting to peak at the right time. They finally found their synergy at the point guard spot with Jaquan Lewis replacing Briante Weber. Doug Brooks has hit a few clutch shots this weekend. John, here's something to keep in mind. VCU in their four games in the Atlantic 10 tournament this weekend at Barclays Center, they hit at least 10 three-pointers in each game. So they're going to come out firing from beyond the arc. It's going to be on bad Mata to try and stop them. I think Arizona's going to have a rough time with Texas Southern. Let's not forget, this is a team that beat Michigan State mm. at the Breslin Center earlier this season. You can't take that, that team for granted. And Mike Davis, who <laughs> people tend to forget as a coach, has been on the stage before. Yeah, he took Indiana to the national championship game in 2002. We move on to the east, Villanova, the one seed in this region. I think this region is pretty loaded. Guys, if there's a four seed, I'll ask this question now. You can go anywhere on the brackets away from this. But if there is a team that is beyond the four line, outside of the top four, one seed, a two seed, a three seed, or a four seed, if there's a seed beyond those that you think could really make a powerful run in this tournament, who is it? I think it's the Providence Friars, the sixth seed in this region. I'll start with you, Zach. Who is it for you? I picked this year's Hazel Lake Final Four. Now, my boss actually laughed at me when he told me to pick that, so that might tell you something. <laughs> but I, I love Michigan State. They're playing great basketball. They nearly beat Wisconsin today. Tom is doing as good of a coach as there is at this time of year. So they, they beat Maryland. They beat Ohio State. I, I really, I really like Michigan State. That is a tremendous, tremendous game this weekend. Michigan, you know, if both Michigan State, obviously, and Virginia get past the teams in their way, yeah, I will actually be in Charlotte for St. John, so I will, I will get to see that game if it happens. <laughs> I, I think Michigan State is tremendous. Brandon Dawson's playing great basketball. Um, plus, it, it's a, it's a, it's a sleeper pick. It's a long shot. But I, I, I think Michigan State's a team that can do serious, serious damage. Jaden Daly? I, I would agree with Zach in that if anybody's going to make a run, it would be Michigan State. Providence is going to have to worry about a war one way or another if they get Boise State, who comes out in the Mountain West with that knockdown, dragout mentality, or Dayton playing a de facto home game at the Nationwide Arena in Columbus if they get it. <laughs> By the way, how bad did Boise how bad did Boise State get hosed over by the selection committee having to play a true road game in the NCAA tournament? That is brutal. Brutal. I have Virginia I have Virginia coming out of that regional, so I don't I, I well, that would be Michigan State to make a run, but I do think the Spartans are probably the most equipped. I do think it could come out of this region, though. 
uh, in the East. But do you guys think, and we're going to welcome in Tyler Ricky Times from SB Nation in just a second, who has followed Villanova exclusively. Zach, do, do you have Villanova? Well, you have Michigan State running the table. Do you have Villanova facing Michigan State? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think Villanova is, is going to get through. Uh, you know, I, I, they're too deep, too experienced, too many weapons. They're going to get there. I just, I just think there's something special about this because this team that is getting better and better every game, every week. Um, I, it was tough to pick against Nova, but I, I just, I don't know. There's something that I was really impressed with them today. That was a game they nearly won before getting to overtime. I, I, there's something about that too. I just really like. We welcome in now another member of our bracketology special. He is Tyler Ricky Times. He's joining us from out west. We're going to welcome him in for a couple minutes. And, Tyler, we're talking about the East region, and I know that you've followed Villanova and the Big East exclusively. Do you think Villanova has it in them to make the Final Four to win a national championship? You know, again, it's like, like I said earlier, um, the last time I was here, it's extremely hard to take Villanova for a national championship team without seeing them currently right now in their form, play some type of elite competition. You know, it's, it's really hard to not necessarily quantify because Villanova is a top 10 team. Villanova is that good. <clears throat> the thing about it is that we've known Villanova has been used to flaming out when it comes tournament time, like Gonzaga, like Notre Dame, like other teams like that that have had their extreme level caliber. So regular season-wise, Villanova is one of the best teams around. The question is, when it comes to this postseason, looking at their side of the bracket, will they continue this rare form? I mean, the second, and for me, looking at the bracket earlier on my flight, it's the second game where Villanova's going to be tested. If they can beat that NC State or LSU matchup, Villanova will probably be an Elite 18. Tyler, Ricky, Tynes, thank you for that insight. We'll get back to you guys in a second. We go down to the south now where the one seed, and I guess I'll start with you on this one, Zach Brasler. Did you agree with Duke getting the one seed? I had Virginia getting a one. What did you think of that? Yeah, I thought Duke deserved the one. You know, I mean, they won at Virginia. They won at Wisconsin. You know, yes, Virginia won the Raiders' title. I just thought Duke's resume was better. Uh, I think they deserve a one, but I don't think they're going to the Final Four. I think Gonzaga's going to the Final Four down there. I I think this is the best Gonzaga team they ever had. They have the right mix of depth, the right mix of, of inside-out scoring. This is a improved defensive team. Um, I, I, you know, I like Duke moving well. I just, there's something missing with them defensively. Overfort isn't good enough inside. There's, I, I really think it's hard if you the final four this year. Jaden Daly, I'll go to a team that you've seen some of in the Davidson Wildcats. And I think this is one of college basketball's great stories this year a team that has risen up in the Atlantic 10 and has really made a name for themselves this season. They are going to be in Seattle, Washington, and they're facing an Iowa Hawkeyes team that is extremely inconsistent at times. But could the Wildcats give anything uh, to the Gonzaga Bulldogs in this tournament if they were to move on? They would would give Gonzaga an, an interesting matchup. This is they beat Gonzaga in 2008. Don't forget to start their run to the Elite Eight in a 7-10 game, no less. But this is 
Bob McKillop's got an interesting style playing four guards with Peyton Aldridge, the six seven freshman, as a de facto five. Keep an eye on Tyler Kalinowski. He's the senior that hit the buzzer beater to beat LaSalle in the A-10 quarterfinals. He, Jack Gibbs, and Jordan Barham are probably going to be the three players to make the biggest impact in that regional against Iowa. I have them winning that game. They're going to take Gonzaga to the limit. I don't know how they're going to match up with Wilcher and Sabonis inside. But Davidson definitely is is one to keep an eye on. And also in that regional, I'm taking Eastern Washington in the 413 over Georgetown. I think Tyler Harvey's <laughs> going to have a coming out party there. Tyler Ricky Tynes, I thought Georgetown got overseeded as a four seed. Uh, what do you make of the Hoyas in this situation? Absolutely overseeded for a four seed. I mean, uh, Georgetown has been as up or down as team as really anybody in the Big East this year. The difference, however, is that where they did get seeded at, Georgetown could have the, the opportunity to make a run. It could be a Sweet 16 team because it seems like their side of the bracket for their skill set, the talent that they do have, they could be the ones that would make a run. I, I can't wait to see their first game, though. That is the game that I, I, I want to most enjoy to see in that bracket, but complete overseed for Georgetown, complete. Well, we just have a couple minutes left to go on the show, and let's get our final fours here okay. out and ready. Zach Brosler, you seem like you've got the boldest final four of, of anybody from what I can hear. Who is your final four? Who's your national champion? Zach, did we lose you? We lost Zach. We lost him once on the show. I don't know if we lost him again. It looks like we may have lost him again. But I'll go to you, Jaden Daly. Your final four here and your national champion. We'll go with Kentucky, Arizona, Virginia, Iowa State. And, I and will who take is Kentucky the national over. champion? I'll take Kentucky over Virginia <laughs> in what will be an instant classic for better or worse on Monday night. Tyler Ricky Tynes. Now, look, I could be a little bit off. I, I, I just got off my flight to L.A. I haven't really looked at the bracket, so this could be off. The people that I do want to see Final Four-wise, I don't know if these matchups will work. Again, I haven't really gotten a chance to completely break down that bracket yet. Maryland is the team that I want to see go the farthest this year. I like the talent they put together. Wow. Complete turnaround for that program. Des Wells, the stud. And Melo Trimble is a great guard. I would love to see Maryland, who I believe is a four seed this year. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's a four seed. Yeah, they got to get past I Kentucky, that team. potentially. Exactly. I want to see that team go far. Kentucky's obviously going to be one of those final four caliber teams, but I've been saying it since October. Even though they've been shaky as of late, I would love to see Duke with this national championship. It just seems like pound for pound, next to Kentucky, they might have the most talent in the country. Jalil Okafor is a stud for a center. He has a, a ton of defensive issues he needs to focus on. But when that kid's dialed in, there is almost no one better at the position this year than Jalil Okafor. Mm. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to go with the Kentucky Wildcats winning the Midwest. In the West, I am going to take the Arizona Wildcats. I think Sean Miller's team has the depth. They've got a great, great, great player, and not only uh, Hollis Jefferson, but, uh, you know what, this team has a great player in Stanley Johnson that I still don't think gets enough credit for how good he really is. So I have those two meeting. I think the East could go a variety, a variety of ways, but at the end of the day, um, I'm going to go with the Villanova Wildcats. I'm feeling Villanova. I think that they get 
all the way to the final four. I think we get a very interesting mashup. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm looking very hard right now, folks. I'm not ready to go Louisville, UC Irvine, but do not sleep on the Anteaters. Uh, it's their first tournament appearance. They are an interesting team in this tournament. And then in the south, I will go with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I think that that's my final four. Look, we've seen wild things happen, and, I, and I've got three five twelve upsets and a couple of four thirteens that I think could get really interesting. But at the end of the day, I think you've got Kentucky, Arizona, as well as Villanova. After what I've seen out of Villanova, I, I was overly impressed with them at MSG. And then I like Gonzaga. Uh, something's keeping me from Duke, and I'm not sure what it is, but something is keeping me from Duke uh, from winning national, from getting the final four, winning the national title. And then I am going to go ahead and pick the Kentucky Wildcats to to take it home. I think it's it's just too tough. Jaden Daly, have you ever seen as close of a, a guarantee uh, for a national champion here, at least in projections? It's so tough. Not since UNLV in 1990, and I barely remember that because I was almost four years old. But since you're on, you mentioned Louisville, UC Irvine. I'm going to throw another upset out at you, and this is one that I'm going to pick. I like Albany over Oklahoma on the 14-3. I really do. Whoa! That is huge. Oh, my goodness. That would be massive. That's a second 3-14. That's one that I'm going to pick on record. I don't know about Notre Dame. I don't know what I'm going to do with Notre Dame Northeastern yet, but Will Brown is in a tremendous spot. Oklahoma traditionally struggles out of the gate in the NCAA tournament. Peter Hooley is probably the greatest human interest story going into this tournament, hitting the three-pointer to win the America East after going back to Australia to tend to his to his mother before she passed away. Ray Sanders, Evan Singletary perform a great backcourt. This is, Albany is going to come at you. They play a zone defense. They like they like to make it ugly, and Oklahoma is going to have some problems. Well, you know what. We normally go 30 minutes on this show, but now that you just threw out Albany beating Oklahoma, we'll go a little longer uh, just for the sake of it, just for our bracketology special. And Tyler Ricky Tynes, I know you haven't looked at the bracket much, but just going back to it, who do you think is the biggest opposition to Kentucky? The biggest opposition, you're, you're going to have to look at, at the guys who are at the top. Wisconsin, the Arizona, if Villanova can make it that far, I don't think Villanova messed up at all with Kentucky, but you have to look at those top five, top ten teams or the people who really have the offensive firepower to match with Kentucky. Um, it, it would seem like their front court is going to be the biggest issue where, where all the offensive production is going to come from between Crosby Towns, Billy Cauley-Stein, Devin Booker, those kind of guys, Trey Lyles. I mean, they have so much talent. It's those guys, not, not talent offensively, amazing defensively, great wingspan and length everywhere on the floor. So the question is, how much time does Tyler Ellis get in this tournament? When he matches up with a guard that's going to be more physically imposing with him, what's he going to do at this level? And how much play do the Harrison Twins get if they start to get streaky? That's really it. If you get a team that's going to have some great guards that can pressure the backboard of Kentucky, we might see a good game. I mean, this is the same team that has had, what was it, seven or eight games where they've come down to a wire, uh, that Georgia game, uh, two, or, two or three double overtime games, uh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss or, or whoever it was. This team has been pushed in the SEC. So we want to see now what happens against some more of the elite teams at this point of the season. We saw what they did at the beginning of the season, dismantling elite teams like Kansas. But now at the end of the season, when they match up with a Wisconsin or Maryland or whomever, who will be the team that can put the most pressure on their backcourt and make somebody step up for Kentucky? 
I have Providence really making a, a real run here and going to the Elite Eight. And I know that's bold, but that is, that is I'm convinced by Ed Cooley. That is definitely something like bold. I mean, that that again, that Providence team is good. And that was a really, really questionable call at the end of that game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't – if I'm a referee, I, I don't make that call at the end of that Villanova-Providence game. Let those kids play it out. Let's see overtime. You know, some of the Villanova fans are kind of saying that's a make-up call because of the steal that Chris Dunn got to play beforehand. I, I don't know if you call it either. You let these kids play. You put in the overtime, and you'll never be in the ref's hands. But that Providence team has talent. Chris Dunn is, is basically a lottery ticket point guard. He really turns the ball over way too much. That they're a really interesting mm. team, so it would be great to see what they do end up doing. Well, Jaden Daly, you've thrown off enough shockers for one night. I mean, uh, I'm impressed. Last year it was me with the Mercer Bears, and I know how happy you were when I did pick Mercer over Duke, and then it actually happened. Um, do you have any other thought to to a team that you think is just not really getting looked at by many? I, I'm impressed with Albany. I think that that's an interesting one. Is there a team out there that you also are kind of intrigued by? One for me is Wyoming. And the tough thing is is that they get a team who also loves to play the, the role of being an underdog in northern Iowa, which, by the way, it's a crime that northern Iowa is a five seed. And I want to get I back agree. to the, when I, I don't agree. think the committee – the committee did a bad job. I, I really do think that. Committee did do a bad job. Northern Iowa should have been a three. There are a lot of teams that are over or underseated. Georgetown, I feel, has no business being a four. But we'll get we'll get to that. UCLA. Here's a team. Yeah, the big, probably the biggest question mark out of all of them, leaving Temple, who had a far better resume, out to the NIT. But right, I'm going to go with a team that that you sold me on early in the year, and that I've come around to. That's Utah, and I have the Utes in the Elite Eight. You know what? It took you a lot of time to make that transition, but I, I took you through some psychology lessons there. And I said from you the did. start of the year, I love Delon Wright. My my only question mm-hmm. is sometimes sometimes they have their moments, and sometimes they don't get enough. They expect Delon Wright just to bail them out, and, and that's my only question mark with the youth. And, and that's really yeah. my thing also. Uh, before before Jaden, sorry, I, I had an interview with Joe Lenardi about two weeks ago, and he really broke down what he assumed the field of 68 would be. And the one team that he put a lot of question marks on was Utah. He, and he, re, he consistently reiterated, Utah does not have the pedigree to play with some of the big dogs. I thought it was a little bit harsh. You know, he was saying some of the things for BYU. Um, the question for me, though, is that in that game, how did they perform? Because I don't, me personally, I'm a younger guy. I don't remember the last time Utah was on a stage this big when they were this good. So the thing is, how do they perform now in the tournament? Yeah, it's, it's a very good point. They haven't really been there. Going back to it, though, UCLA, I mean, seriously? It's true. It's true. But UCLA, out of the Pac-12, I mean, I know Bill Walden calls it the Conference of Champions, but come on. For UCLA being high, it's for Temple to not get in. Now, again, this is a little bit biased. I grew up in North Philly. I love Temple. I mean, that was my neighborhood growing up. Temple's had a tremendous turnaround season. Fran Dunphy has done wonders with that program. I mean, the students they got to see Morgan and Milo Devin Coleman, that is a tournament team. There there was no way in my mind after they Mm -hmm. won their first game for Memphis that they shouldn't have been a lock for the tournament. 
Them going to the NIT is an absolute wow. embarrassment. And UCLA being that high, Georgetown being that high, that's an embarrassment. That program won 23 games this year. It, I, I, you just, again, it could be biased, but I don't understand how a team that has had the quality wins, not even, not even necessarily quality wins, but 23 wins, a turnaround season, it, 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 I find it kind of hard to leave them out. I find it really hard to leave them out. Tyler's probably seen more of Temple than I have. The only part of Temple I've seen this season was the last few minutes when they throttled Kansas earlier in the year. But how does that? Yeah, I was I was there for that. Tyler, how does that not leave an impression in the eyes of the committee? Whereas UCLA with a questionable resume gets there. I don't get that. UCLA had a questionable season. UCLA <laughs> had a questionable season. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's just it's just hard for me when, when I saw the black out the plane. The first thing that stuck out to me was that UCLA was, was almost even to me that UCLA was in the tournament because that's how bad they had been at the beginning of their season. Obviously, they're a tournament team, but a, a 10 seed, 11 seed or whatever they are, that's 14-ish, 13, 14-ish. I mean, and, I mean, for them to be that high and then for Temple to not get in, I can see the other snubs of teams that didn't get in, but I know Temple was the first name that stuck out to me that I did see that when I didn't last flip through and saw they didn't get in. It's 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 tough, man. It's 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 tough to think that UCLA is a ten or eleven or whatever they are. It's tough to think that Georgetown's a four. <laughs> it's tough to think Georgetown's a four seed. Uh, I mean, they they had a great a great show of the schedule type of season, but would they lose twelve or thirteen games this year? It's 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 tough to see it, man. It's it's really tough. Yeah, and here's the ironic thing: UCLA, who snubbed Temple is going up against SMU, who, in my opinion, last year was the most egregious snub of the field. Huge, huge snub last year. Absolutely huge snub last year. But, I mean, mm. for me, I'm happy that SMU did get in this year because we we did a story on SMU maybe a month or so ago. I sat down with Yannick Maria, who has been one of the best rebounding big men of anywhere this year. And I think a lot of people don't know how good of a rebounder he's been for a 6'11 guy coming off a knee injury. Um, I'm happy they did get in because those kids really worked very hard to get to that point this year when they had a similar season this year that they did last year. So I'm happy actually for that program, but that couple things going to stink. Frank Frank Duffy was was the coach of the year in the American. It's kind of laughable. laughable. But just another thing, not only only UCLA, but Texas, and neither of them have to play in a playing game. I mean, that is not right to me. They should have play-in games. I mean, Texas, Texas, I'll let be a justifiable thing because they played in a very hard conference. The Big 12 and the Big 10 might have been the hardest conference around this year when it came to just pound-for-pound skill of those teams, even though they were a bigger conference in the Big East in the Pac-12, you know, places like that. But Texas I'm more okay with than I am UCLA. There's, there's, there's almost no justification for UCLA. But Texas I'll let fly. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with Tyler on that one. Texas City even in Indiana as well, who was at one point on the wrong side of the bubble this weekend, and then they got in in the seven ten. I forget where they're playing. I think they got Wichita State in the first round. I'm not sure. I don't have a bracket in front of me, and I've gone through too much in the last few hours to really remember. But I know they're in a seven ten. I have I don't have as much of an issue like. Just like Tyler said, I don't have as much of an issue with them as I do with maybe a UCLA in an 11, in an outright 11, mind you, as Tyler said, and not having to not having to go through Dayton. 
And 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 looking at that game, they're a ten and two against Kansas to start off their tournament. That could be a game that might end up being an upset. I mean, Indiana, just like Georgetown, completely hot and cold team, up and down team. If Indiana puts it together, they've got the talent. And Kansas has been the same way that have had some questionable losses. That could be a that could be a big upset to start the, to start the year. Really big upset Mike, to start the tournament. My question mark for Indiana is going to be the health of Hunter Perea. If he if he's healthy, then that totally changes everything. But if if he's coming in walking wounded, then I think Wichita State has has that one under wraps. I agree with both of you on on Wichita State. I do really like that team's potential in this tournament. At the end of the day, we're, we're in for some wild times. We are really in for some wild times. One team we haven't talked about is Iowa State. And Fred Hoiberg's team, I think, has a pretty favorable draw. I don't know much about UAB at all, Jaden, but then they would potentially face the winner of SMU and UCLA. I mean, Fred Hoiberg's team can't be complaining here. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. I I have Iowa State in the Final Four for a reason. They have a very easy road, especially with a Sweet 16 matchup against Gonzaga, who comes in with all the pressure in the world for all the times they've been seated high and never gotten through. And with Kevin Pangos in his last year to really do something, Hoiberg has gotten great production out of Jamil McKay, out of Bryce DeJohn Jones. Don't forget George Niang is going to come in with something to prove, too, after he was knocked out of the Sweet 16 matchup when he went down in the Carolina game. So they, they're probably the most interesting team out of everybody on that in that part of the bracket. They match up well with Gonzaga. They have the knockdown shooters and Morris and, and Hogue that can really do, do some damage to combat Pangos and Gary Bell. That. I wouldn't be surprised if that game ended up somewhere around 90 to 85. I'd love to see what Tyler thinks about that. I think that could be a shootout in the making. I agree with that, with that assessment. Um, both great scoring teams. Um, I watched Gonzaga like complete. I've always watched Gonzaga this year and just never had a chance to really watch an entire Gonzaga game. Watched them against BYU. Watched them against Portland, I believe, was the game before they played BYU. Gonzaga, from their one to their five, is maybe one of the most interesting teams in terms of talent in this field. It, I mean, you look at almost every player from one to five, and they don't have a lot. I mean, they're all three talented guys. All of them. You got one of the best, one of the best perimeter defenders on the team, and I think his name is Pounded. He's a small forward. Forget his last name. One of the best perimeter defenders in the country on that team. Two of the best forwards with Wiltshire and Pangos. One of the best point guards in Pangos. Gary Bell, Gary Bell Jr. as well. I mean, you've got so much talent. And a seven-foot center? On top of that, that team is very, very well together. The thing, though, is that Villanova, like Notre Dame, just like Arizona at times, it's just like some of these teams that flame out early, Gonzaga does the same thing. So the question now for Gonzaga is the same thing. How far can this team get to make not only their conference, but that squad now for fresh memory seem elite? Why? Because every year we look at Gonzaga and we say, okay, Gonzaga's going to be this good because they're playing in this conference, they're going to look at this tournament, and then they're going to fall out. But now they have an opportunity to really address every single doubt, the same opportunity Villanova has. And that's why we, I look so critically at them as a team that I watch the most yeah. all year because they have the same ability to flame out. And when it comes to matchups, when you play a three- to four-guard right. system, you're going to run into a team that has extreme length, like Providence, who has a good guard that's going to abuse somebody defensively, usually Ryan Archer to Jackano, 
but Jay, Jay Wright has done a very good job of putting Dylan Ennis, the best, the best perimeter defender on the team, on somebody else, usually the best ball handler. If you get a good big, a good front yep. court against that villain on the team, it's going to be tough. Then they're going to have to shoot the lights out like they have done the last five, six games. Mm-hmm. And it looked very elite doing so. But in a tournament, it's hard. And NC State, LSU, they're both teams that match up really well. Yep. Well, I want to thank both you gentlemen for coming on the podcast. We'll certainly have you on again during March Madness. Jaden Daly, where can we find your work? Daily Dose of Hoops. And, well, before the, the tournament with Manhattan College, but that won't that won't be the case with the online radio restrictions. But Daily Dose of Hoops will have tournament coverage as much as we can get it for you. And Tyler Ricky Tynes. You can find me at Tyler Ricky Tynes and everything in the college basketball section at SB Nation. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Great to talk to you. Follow us on Twitter at NCAA Hoops Digest and at John underscore Fanta. We'll have coverage at collegehoopsdigest.com. Throughout the tournament, we camped out certainly throughout this week. It's the best week in sports, in my opinion. For all of us here at collegehoopsdigest.com, good night and enjoy the madness.